Welcome to the Regents University London podcast. In each episode, we'll be inviting a Regents academic to talk about something of interest related to their field of study or exploring the Regents community. In this episode, course leaders Michael Peel and Tristan Tull talk about making historical documentaries, drawing on their experience of making just such a documentary about the Nazi occupation of the Channel Islands during the Second World War. My name is Tristan Tull and I'm one of the course leaders for BA Film and Screen here at Regents University London. I'm Michael Peel and I'm the course leader for the Foundation in Film and Screen at uh, Regents University London. On a kind of personal note, my uh, my grandfather passed away last year and he, you know, obviously uh, he wasn't, he was a, uh, he flew bombers during the Second World War and was actually shot down over Nazi-occupied territory and was a prisoner of war and for several years and escaped and essentially uh you know that's the the plot of a hollywood movie you know and then he that's his actual you know that was his real life experience and uh i would get sent so we we actually share the same name so i would get sent his i his medals there's a long i won't bore you with it now but there's a kind of an interesting story about how the bomber command weren't given medals because they were it was very controversial kind of what they were doing and um, eventually they were kind of sent medals and so forth and they were actually sort of mistakenly sent to me and it, it just you know sort of got me thinking a great deal so I sort of had this kind of personal interest in in the topic and the fact that there are I mean we're chatting specifically about this topic now but there are you know the last few people who were alive uh, during this you know, moment in history are, are you know sadly sort of passing away one by one um so yeah that's kind of how i got interested in, in it originally but going back um i remember you talking to me and this is the this is the challenge with film which was mike was talking about telling his grandfather's story and coming up with ideas about like disrupted narrative mm-hmm. so a book would probably start with joining the raf the story getting shot down and it'll all be linear um but you had very different ideas of how to tell the story well i had a very interesting i should be brutally honest it was actually um sort of built on a suggestion that somebody else made to me because obviously my grandfather's passed away but we do have the family the family uh the family has uh recordings of uh and eventually video of my grandfather telling his story of you know the this kind of epic story of you know being shot down and being a prisoner of war and, and all the rest of it um and actually he met his wife through a friend of his uh who was also a pilot during the war and and because uh, that was his sister um uh and we have these recordings of him sort of telling the story unfortunately in his later years he he developed uh, alzheimer's over a long long period of time and he would tell the sort of various tellings of this story he gets progressively more muddled and loses more of the detail um as he as he essentially tells the same story over years and years and years um and somebody pointed out the, the sort of rather neat idea of rather if you kind of use them obviously if you use them in that order in any kind of documentary or podcast or any kind of uh, any film anything like that then you're sort of going to risk boring your audience because they're just going to hear the same story you know five or six times each time with slightly less detail so i mean and it and it would do an awfully good job of kind of demonstrating his deterioration but you're sort of going to bore your audience a little bit but somebody pointed out, well, what if you did them in reverse? So to begin with, in whatever fashion you use it over whatever time scale, if you did it in the opposite fashion, 
you got only the bare bones of the story, and then each with each telling of it, um, you would see the you would get more information. So each time the story is told, even though it's the same story, you're giving the audience more and more information. And it would also quite, I think, quite kind of starkly highlight his deterioration. Rather than showing him mm. on a downward spiral, you show him on an upward spiral. He would get younger and appear young, and his memory would be better, and he'd be sort of more alert and more awake and more and more with it. And that that simple thing of just kind of flipping the the concept on its head, I think, would massively change the way that an audience kind of takes in not just the story of the war but also his personal story of his deterioration over the years and and just that that was something of an idea that we have you know we haven't done this yet but it's an idea that we had and just it's a good example of how being creative with the form the format of something really really can impact the how the story is kind of consumed if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, so it's something we sort of both realized that we um, were both really interested in this this kind of topic and and Tristan had the idea of doing a, a project. Yeah. So what drew you to the subject of the Nazi occupation of the Channel Islands? The two things. The first is, um, I'm, it's the period of history I'm interested, like most middle-aged British men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it's the big topic we, we were obsessed with, aren't we? Um, and the other thing is access, which is essential for all filmmakers, really, which is my sister lives on the island and she's a visiting health worker. And, and so she knows I'm interested in the topic, would say, oh, I, you know, I'm talking to um, this old lady or this old man and they're telling me stories. And then you just think, I've, I've got to go. So actually the turnaround was very quick. So in, I was there in March and I went to visit one of the contributors, a lady called Idris, who's 105, wow. um, and spoke to her. And it was interesting speaking to her because it was a bit like a, a recce because you're thinking how easy is it going to be to extract stories from people? Um, and that's not to do with their age at all, because all of them spoke, they were all aged between probably 79 and 105. Um, they were all completely lucid um, in that way that is typical of quite elderly people. They're talking about a period when they were younger. And if you think Idris was 25 when the war ended. So, um, but they were very, very lucid. Um, so that wasn't the problem. The problem was how do we get the the little kernels of the the magic stuff that we need um, and in order to do that I think it has to be down to research it has to be about talking about it and I wanted my could we work together the way we work together in productions is normally different because it's uh, we normally shoot dramas and Mike will be a DOP cinematographer and I'm normally producing or production managing so a relationship on this was very different so it was a privilege I always really really enjoyed it but we we have this interest and we can talk to each other I'd done lots and lots of research. Um, and I think that's one of the things to stress if any student is listening to this, <laughs> we hope so, is that uh, you you have to do the research and you have to do the pre-planning and you have to read every book on the subject because you're going into an interview with someone and you know they might, they might think something's not important or they might forget. So if you can talk about a raid on a particular date, and like, oh yeah, of course I was there and I saw that happening. Um, so yeah, I went to see Idris um, and I just got a sense of, of how one would have this conversation in, in order to get something useful for the documentary. And I realised that um, it would be difficult. But once you, once you think about the personality you're talking to and you have a, you have a set load of questions, I think you're able to uh, prompt those, 
those memories. And I think in the end it wasn't difficult, but it only wasn't difficult because of the preparation and thinking about it and talking about it. And Mike's challenge was a much harder one because he had zero, whereas I have time to read and think of questions, he had zero time to turn up to a place. You know, we turn up at an address, sometimes with very, very little notice. Two of the interviews were only organised um, while we were there. And that's another story, an interesting story. So Mike would have to turn up and he'd have to think, how am I going to like this? Where am I going to shoot this? You can't very well say to a, a, a centurion, <laughs> um, oh, can you just get up and go over there? You can't. So um, he had to make all those decisions very quickly, whereas I just had to sit down and chat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm into kind of cameras and cinematography and making it all look as good as it possibly can. And and you'd love to kind of spend hours and hours kind of lighting something in, in a controlled space in a studio and inviting people in. But as Tristan says, some of these people are in there. Uh, hundreds. Um, <laughs> um, so you, you know, we, I'm particularly I just, you know, we sort of walk in, and as you say, you can't really ask a 105 year old to just, oh, can you just move? Can we just move your chair over here by the window, or anything like that? Even, even, even literally down to putting a microphone on somebody, you yeah. can't. You've got to be, you know, very uh, considerate yeah. with um, how you deal with people. And she'll get tired quick, so her interview is like half an hour or something. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, the idea, the lovely thing about going to people's homes is um, that you can hopefully, hopefully just sort of capture a little bit of where they are in the world, you know, at that stage in their lives, you know, just see, um, you know, whether, you know, sort of, you can sort of just see the books on the bookshelf in the photo, you know, family photographs on the wall and, and there's very often that chair you know, that chair that they sit in, you know, most most days, and that's where they spend, you know, a huge majority of their lives. And, and it's quite nice in a way you can sort of, you get you know, instantly before they've said a word, you just sort of get a sense of, oh, that's who they are. You know, that's where they sit every day and every evening and read a book or watch TV, whatever it is. You And you yeah. suggested the, um, the talking head interview style from Wild Wild Country. You told me to look at it. Yeah, it was really, um, I suppose, I suppose broadly, I mean, completely different topic, but a, but a, I suppose a similar thing to what we were trying to do, in, and that's your recounting a period in history, and obviously you hopefully go and interview all the kind of uh, the people involved, and yeah, they, they do this sort of wonderful thing of just you sort of see where these people are now, um, as opposed to you know because there's lots of plenty of art, most of the documentary is told through kind of archive footage of um, the television. News reports at the time and some photographs and so forth, um, but the talking heads. Very often, you kind of just want a little close up on somebody's face so that you really get a sense of, you know, how they're feeling about something. But if you kind of shoot nice big wide shots, you, you and it's in their home, you instantly get a sense of, like I say, where they are in the world. And that was kind of born from mm. watching that. Yeah, and also, um, you know, you you're doing two things. You're hearing recollections and you're also reading emotion so you have to you want to go tight I mean the, the, the great thing about technology is Mike can now shoot on a wide but we can in the edit it can be it can be tight and it's the same quality and again going back to Ken Burns and and the reference of the Vietnam War all most of the talking heads were really really tight so you could really see the the emotion and in the end the film is a great deal about it will be it's in edit at the moment will be about emotion and that's the thing that came to me the emotional, the emotional experience of an occupation. Turnaround was very quick. I was there in March. We shot it in July. So March, 
knew it wouldn't be expensive, applied for money from Regents, got some money from Regents, I put some money in, Mike put some of his production companies, Bottle Rocket money in, um, uh, and the overheads were low. Um, so the, the you know we, we went to the archives and we bought archive because I want archive to feature quite heavily in it and it's quite simple and then it's just it's just shooting the environment because there's a lot a lot left over from the occupation so most of the coastline is built mm-hmm. up and concrete if you've been there you know mm-hmm. we had two students helping us so my sister Sarah was was helping uh, connecting with people two students who actually live on the island uh, who are um, Alex and Max Max told us a couple of stories about his grandparents. So we ended up interviewing them. They became contributors. So you're doing this, that's the wonderful thing. And I think that's what the pleasure of this job is, is that you um, you can take a student who normally you're in this environment and the dynamic is slightly different. Um, with teachers, they're students, but you can go to their grandparents' house. They're doing sound and camera and helping them with the lighting. And we're interviewing their grandparents. And I just think that's bringing it back to this job is such a pleasure. And that's what we keep telling, particularly our kind of third year students, is don't think of yourselves as students. Stop making student films. Just start making films, professional films, you know, and and it's a mindset thing. So as soon as, whenever we have the opportunity to work with uh, students on kind of exterior project, which, which happen all the time, you know, during summer and weekends and breaks and things like that, it's it's... I can't think of a bad experience of taking a student because the, the the dynamic just changes. The moment you, it's not an assessed project and you're not getting a mark for it and you know it's not on your timetable or anything like that, suddenly the, the dynamic just changes and suddenly, um, it's going to sound patronising, but everybody just seems to be a lot more mature and relaxed and more hardworking and, 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 and again, you don't feel like they're, they're students anymore, even though in many cases they are. Thank you for listening to the Regents University London podcast. To find out more about the university, please visit regents.ac.uk.